The purpose of a why is to create a grid by which we measure everything, all of our decisions, all of our life, all of the way that we move, live, and have our being should be able to fit into our why container. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and we've been going through this series on success habits. And then we moved into financial success habits. So Tanner and I did had a conversation about our, his financial success, success habits in his personal life and his business. And then you guys all heard me sharing openly and honestly with some of the cash flow issues and struggles that I've had last week. So, um, over the past few years, what I've seen in my company and what I wanted to do is something a little bit different today. And we always talk about business and, driving and more and more and more and growing our companies and, and all of that stuff that comes from mindset, from things like that. And what we want to do is we want to take a more balanced approach with, with ourselves and our business and our life, frankly, and have that kind of wheel where we talked about our 2020 goals. And what does it look like? If you, are you really successful in business, but you're struggling in your personal life, that doesn't really equal success. And if you're really, you know, your personal life is great, but your finances are in the tank and your spiritual life is, is horrible. That's not success either. So really having that, that well-rounded balance. And Tanner and I talked a little bit about giving and tithing. And Tanner talked about right off the top, 10% goes to the church every year, every month, everything that he does. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring on somebody to talk a little bit more about that, as well as some of the spiritual side of, of life and business. And I, was, I reached out to somebody who's really close to me and somebody who's prayed with me, who's gone through a lot with me and Lucy and our family when we were going through surgeries with James and we just moved here to Nashville. And really, frankly, the guy who brought me back into the church, uh, and he might, may or may not, may not know that, we spoke about it quite a bit, but when my cousin brought me to this church, Church of the City in Nashville, um, he was the guy on stage where I was a little bit of a, I wasn't sure if this was the right place for me to be. I was raised Catholic. This was a little bit different kind of church and they were singing and they were, hey, people's hands were in the air and some people were yelling and it didn't feel like what I was used to. And I kind of went there a little bit uh, unsure about what it was going to be like. And I left there hearing this guy's message, obviously God's message through the Holy Spirit, through him to, to me. And it just, it was like I was the only person in the room, like he was talking straight to me. And I know a lot of you guys have had that feeling. I've talked to you before at some of our mastermind events and some of the things we do. And it was just like I was in the right place. And we hadn't moved here to Nashville yet, but I just knew that this was the place that I needed to be and needed to, to go to. And I actually watched the next four weeks on YouTube when I went back to Florida. And I just became, and every week it was like he was talking, they were, they, all of them, all the pastors there were talking directly to me. But, um, you know, this pastor has a very like near and dear uh, place in my heart and somebody who uh, I'm it, it baptized Lucy did a lot of things for us and our family. And it's just amazing to bring him on the podcast and share this, you know, the message with you guys. Uh, so um, I want to welcome to the podcast, uh, CZ. So he goes by CZ, but uh, Curtis Zachary, this is Curtis Zachary. Hey, CZ, thanks for being with me today. Man, it's an honor. It's uh, fun to be with you guys. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too, because I really, you know, we have a lot of 
uh, spiritual people in our world and listen to the podcast and things like that. And we've never really gone down this road. We, we actually brought on somebody, uh, Matt Osborne, who is one of the operators for Operation Underground Railroad, uh, who fight uh, child trafficking and sex slavery and things like that. So that was the first time we kind of went outside the real estate world. And this is really the first time that we're kind of bringing a message like this, where I want to talk a little bit about giving and tithing and, and some, of the, some of those things and, and really anything else that we can share with the listeners to help them not only in their business life, but also in their personal life. And I think that all that stuff goes hand in hand, like your spiritual life, your, your family life, your, your love and relationship, your, your business, finances, all of that stuff, it, friends, family, it all just comes together in a, uh, to make a well-rounded life. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's natural to make some uh, delineations around what it looks like to spend time in spiritual settings, as people would articulate them, whether that's in church or in uh, community groups that you have. And uh, it feels like that's a faction of your life, which is separate from all of the rest of the things that happen, whether that's maintaining or leading a business, uh, seeking to fulfill uh, all of the obligations that you have financially, uh, running around with your kids, taking them to uh, their different uh, activities. And it feels like the delineation between spiritual life and the rest of life is a natural one to make. I would contend uh, that everything is spiritual. And I would also contend that all of the things that we experience in our lives are integrated together. And for us to be healthy and whole, uh, the integration needs to be one that we acknowledge and that we tend to, that we pay attention to in every aspect of who we are. And I think that's what leads toward uh, sustainability, health, and wholeness. And uh, I think all of those things are what we aspire toward, whether it's uh, in our finances, in our bank account, or uh, in our homes, in the way that we parent, or we're in our relationship with our significant other, uh, whether it's the way that we're friends uh, to other people, uh, the way that we lead our teams, our employees. Uh, our hope is to be sound and to be whole and to be healthy and, and to be that way for sustainable lengths of time. And so, uh, yeah, to me, uh, it's funny uh, to draw a delineation between what business represents and what spirituality represents simply because I think uh, for someone who practices a way of faith or uh, inhabits this idea of spirituality in their life, uh, whether we know it or not, they are all uh, coming together in ways that we either intentionally allow to happen or uh, in ways that we can't even see to our eyes. But are happening uh, regardless. So I think what you're doing is uh, really kind of furthering a conversation that we're all naturally having with ourselves, whether we know it or not. And it's just bringing intentionality to the forefront on that. Yeah, I, I really, I love that. I think that I, my, the whole, my whole life, I've had these goals and dreams and aspirations and things like that. And they, they've always been kind of driven by maybe finances or success and what we think success looks like. And, you know, when you start different phases of your life, I'll move, I moved around so much in the military from place to place to place that, you know, I would make these, these short-term relationships basically is kind of what came up in my world of, but anytime I would come back to those people, it was like, we never left, but there, and I would move around from church and then I might go to a place. And when I was, you know, single guy in the military, just working really hard, I kind of lost a lot of that. And finding my way back has really changed a lot of things for me and opened up my eyes to really how well balanced I need my life to be. And it really making 
uh, a point, like you said, intentionality on, on making sure, like analyzing how I'm doing with my friends and how I'm doing with my relationships. Because what I found was my health was going way down because I was working really hard and building a business. My relationship with my spouse wasn't as, as good and great as I wanted it to be. And I wasn't, my spiritual life just wasn't there either, but the financial side in the business was becoming successful. And there's not enough money in the world or enough like business success to make up for all of that stuff. You know, if, if I'm, uh, you know, alone, uh, upset, sad, and I have all the money in the world, it's just, it's just, what was it all for? And so a lot of our entrepreneurs, they're driving to grow these companies and these businesses and they're doing it for their family. You know, that's their why. Their big why is I want to be with my family. And then next thing you know, the family's gone, but the business is like they got there and they, they're at that point, they're at the top of the mountain, but they're by themselves. So uh, I think, it, you know, we're getting a little bit at, like outside of what we planned on talking about, but I think this is the thing that is really challenging for a lot of entrepreneurs because it's more and more and more and more, more all the time. And really a lot of times what I love about my Sundays with you and, and Darren and everybody at Church of the City is I get to kind of reset and reprioritize my, my life, my next week. And I, I really have become intentional this year about doing that more often, not just once a week and really thinking about that every day. How did I do today? How did I do spiritually? How did I do with friends? How did I do with my health? How did I do with my family? How did I do with my business, my finances and all of that stuff and make sure that I'm looking at every piece of the wheel effectively. Yeah, I would say in one way, I, I definitely feel what you're saying when you say we're getting away from what we're talking about. But I think in another way, it's actually all folded together. So again, it's for me, a comprehensive idea that I think is important to pay attention to. You mentioned the key word that I think any business person understands and can relate to. And I think it's an important word that people who are exploring their faith and trying to understand the essence of their connectivity to their view of God, uh, that word, why? that you talked about, I think it's so vitally important. And the reason I think what you had intended to talk about and where we're now going uh, really do fall together is the why ultimately informs the what, no matter what it is that we're talking about. So uh, when you talk about uh, the example that you gave of a why being founded in the family, being the intention to serve and why we're growing this business and then realizing that the family is gone and the business still remains. I think one of the mistakes that we make is we allow ourselves to believe that uh, a shallow representation of our why is enough to fulfill uh, the explanation for what a why is. So there are very general terms that we can speak in when I talk about uh, the answer to my why questions in any area. So if I say, hey, why are you working so hard at your job, you know, 12 hours a day, and you have a good why answer, which is, oh, so I can support my family. We usually think, well, that's enough for me to give as an answer, and we usually give people permission connected to that answer. I'm not going to push beyond that. Sounds good. It's enough for us to be able to see a reasonable response to go, wow, okay, you're really dedicating yourself, giving a lot of time and attention to this stuff so that you can do this very purposeful thing for a very meaningful why. But the problem is that's a very generalistic why that covers a lot of bases, but doesn't really speak to even the why behind the why. <laughs> so if I say, man, I want to work really hard so that I can do this for my family. If you keep examining that why, you might realize, well, wait a minute. If your ultimate goal is for you to 
better your relationship with your bride, to spend more time with your family, to grow the ability for you to grow in connectivity. And you think that a way to do that is growing in your financial ability to accrue and to gain, but yet it takes you 15 years to get to the goal that you think it will take to do that. During those 15 years, the thing you said was your why actually isn't even present in your pursuit because you could be spending time with your family in those 15 years in meaningful ways without the bottom line that you're trying to reach. So what it requires for us is to go beyond just the surface level why and really get to the depth of who we are to understand the essence of our why. Because I think a lot of people who, like you said, arrive at this place where we go, man, I had good intentions. I thought I was doing this for good reasons. And now I lost the very thing that I was hoping to do all this for. One, I think sadly, a lot of times we arrive at that place realizing that was your why, but it wasn't your collective why together. <laughs> your bride or your husband wasn't in on that why with you sharing that idea. Maybe it was your best idea of a why. And now you realize, wait a minute, what I thought was a good why for us was really a good why in my understanding. I think the second thing too is when we stop short of examining the depth of our understanding of our why, we miss the opportunity not only for us to understand our business why, but also our personal why which then will inform our family why, which then informs whether or not all these other whys align with one another. The purpose of a why is to create a grid by which we measure everything, all of our decisions, all of our life, all of the way that we move, live, and have our being should be able to fit into our why container. So even when good things present themselves, but are anti or against our personal or family or business why we have to really question whether or not they fit and the reason I think it folds together is you'd reference this idea of generosity and giving well before getting into the semantics of how do you do that how much should you do uh, when do you do it how often does it come from the top does it come at the end do I do it every deal do I do it once a month all these different things that we ask my first question is why do you want to give in the first place? Like, what is your why connective to that? Now, I would contend if your why is simply based on, well, it's the right thing to do and it's important for me to do it. And so therefore, I need to make sure I make a way to give. Well, that by itself, again, just like the other example, is a good why in and of itself. But that doesn't offer the level of depth and connectedness to really sustain and maintain, let's say the business deals right now are abundant and it's easy to write a 10% check to your church or to a local organization. But let's just say you're in a dry spell and you're saying that your why informs your giving, but now you're feeling like, wait a minute, it's a little bit tighter. It's a little bit harder for me to stroke that check. Is there a why that informs my continuation of giving even in the midst of those seasons? And that's when you really know if it's aligned with your why or not. So I think personal why, which you already talked about, and I'm sure you guys talk about all the time, is so important, not only when it comes to the formation of our business sense, but I think our why is so important when it comes to our practices and our way of faith as well. So that's, that's pretty big, what you just said. And I don't know that I've ever gone down that hole, that rabbit hole of why and saying the why in all the different areas, almost individually to bring it back to, because what, what you said is when things are, when things are dark, when things are, are not going well, when, and we talk a lot about those, those folks that give when they don't have anything, 
those are the people who are going to give when they have things. So I, I see a lot of times people will say, uh, well, when I get there, then I'll start giving or then I'll start doing this or, and, and then they get there and then it's like kind of the next step. And they're never really, I've seen people who really give that they're just giving in nature, whether it's their time, whether it's their finances, whether it's, um, you know, everything that they have, they're always there for you. And even when they're in a horrible place and a, a really dark place themselves, but they're really those kind of servant type people. And they're the P it doesn't matter if you have no money to your name or a million dollars, they're going to give regardless in either one of those. And for me, as you were talking, I'm trying to say, okay, well, what going through my head saying, what is my why for, for giving? We support a lot of things. I, I, I put some time into different organizations and I'm trying to think of really to go down those like five levels of deeper with that why, because I've done it for myself, for, for the, my business. I've done it pretty, pretty much. That's it. I haven't really looked at uh, kind of, it, it seems like everything for me has always gone back to my family. It was like, why do we want to get healthy? Well, uh, you know, I, I just want to be a little bit more fit. Okay. Why? Well, I was out of breath when I was climbing up the stairs to play with my kids. Why? Okay. Well, I want to be around for my kids. I don't, I don't want to be unhealthy and, and having trouble and, and getting sick or old. And I got Terry Berger, who's one of the uh, folks on the board of directors. His, he, he had a, a family member really close to him pass away early in life. His, and he doesn't want to pass away early in life. So he's f fully focused on his health. And I can't say that I've ever really done that for the, the giving. It's really just kind of like, I, okay, I want to make this impact. I've gotten to this point where I feel like it's, it's my time to give back. Sure. But kind of going deeper on that, it's interesting to think about that. And it's definitely an exercise that I'm going to have to do right after this. Yeah. And I think one of the things I would say is there needs to be a permissive element uh, in your evaluation of that reality, because I think uh, most people would answer similar to yourself. I think we would say that in our immediacy of an answer, there is a why and that why in and of itself is sound. And it's not uh, my words aren't an assessment of that reality. I just think when I start considering sustainability, health, wholeness, I really need to know a why that has foundations that informs motivation in the times when things are not easy. And, you know, one of the greatest parallels you just referenced, which is getting fit, you know, some people will start out the beginning of a year talking about how they're going to lose a certain amount of weight or begin to exercise for a certain amount of time. And quickly you begin to realize that you've made this commitment and you would say that my why is for me to get fit or I just want to get in better shape. Or maybe it's even to fit in a dress that I've always had for a long time, or, you know, I've always wanted to fit in this suit or whatever it is, whether it's in your perception, shallow or deep, whatever, that's not the point. The point is, we would answer the question saying, well, this is why I'm doing that. But if that why is not founded from a deep rooted place beyond some sense of, well, that would be a good thing to do. And I would really enjoy if that happened. The first time 6am comes and it's really cold outside and technically nobody's asking me to go do this. What's going to keep me in the game? What's going to keep me motivated to do that? Now, again, these are the things that you really begin to evaluate evaluate your why against because it's never about a right or wrong issue. It's about the sustenance or the sustainability of what you've dedicated your commitment toward. Now, the thing that is really interesting is a lot of times when I have conversations with people like in those situations, let's take 
the gym continued for an example, you know, they say, man, you know what? I just need to learn to love the gym. And if I could just learn to love the gym or love going to the gym, then I'll just love working out, which will then lead to the results that I would hold. And I would say, yeah, that sounds great. I just don't think there are many, very many people who love going to the gym and people go, oh, well, no, I, I love going. I know friends who love going to the gym. And I would say, no, going to the gym is a pathway to the why that they love. <laughs> and some people go to the gym and they feel fully alive at the gym. So they would articulate it as, man, I love to go to the gym. Well, really what they love is what that container called the gym provides for their life connected to their why. So back to what you referenced around losing a loved one. Well, the response to what you experience in losing a loved one will now produce a founded, deep, soulish why. That why will inform whatever it takes to get to the fulfillment of said why. So if you're going, man, I have somebody in my family who died of heart disease. I don't want to die of heart disease because this is something that's deeply seated in the lineage of my family. Now, that's my why. What will it take to not die from heart disease? Well, I better exercise. So now I don't love going to the gym. I love that the gym will get me to the place where I'll be able to accomplish my why. Now, the byproduct of that may be, wow, I love going to the gym because in going to the gym, I'm fulfilling this why. I say giving is the exact same thing. There's this beautiful picture of generosity that's painted all throughout the scriptures. And it talks about in Timothy how like we can give and experience a life that is truly life. So it's not just that we love giving. We love the opportunity of the life that now having given allows us to experience and that represents. And there's a reason that the Bible talks so often about money. The reason that you're always talking about your own personal finances, you're talking about managing finances. Why does the Bible talk about finances? Why do we talk about finances so often? Because finances are directly connected to our heart condition. Whether we like it or not, our hearts are directly tethered to what happens with money in our lives. And you referenced before, if somebody has little, gives when they have little, they will probably give when they have much. Well, the reason is because the giving is not the thing that we're paying attention to. What I do in my heart's response will be amplified by whatever prosperity I experience. So let's just say uh, I come into some money, whether it's through uh, a lotto win or handed down from ancestry or I sell a house for way more than I thought I would and it starts to ball rolling and now in five years I've you know, grown my bottom line by more than I could ever even imagine. So now you've come into this money, however you have, you will not all of a sudden adjust according to that money and begin to live according to that money. You will now amplify with that money, whatever was already true about your heart. <laughs> so that's why you're saying when you gave a little, when you had a little, but you gave generously from that place, your heart is only going to be amplified inside of what you already have. That's good stuff. The, so the, there is so much reference to money in the Bible, like you mentioned, and it's probably the thing that is, but is likely talked about the most. So I don't have a background in theology, but I know that this, the, the amount of things that are said about money in the Bible, and there's a lot of, I've had some, some of our members come up to me at events and, and say, you know what? I, I, very, very spiritual people saying, 
I'm concerned about becoming successful mm. because one of the, one of the things that I'm really worried about is, is coming into money and becoming rich and, and, and basically moving further away from God and closer to money and just being careful. And, you know, some of the, some of the, the verses from scripture talk about a bit about this in that, um, you, you really have to be careful in, in, in kind of the way that you look at money versus the way that you look at God. So, um, I would be interested to hear your take on, on that because really almost some people that are deeply rooted in faith are almost worried about becoming successful in, in business and, and having a lot of money and having a lot of things. And, um, becoming closer to these things and these possessions than they are to God. Yeah. And I think it's a valid concern. I think the reason the Bible speaks so vividly about it in that way is because it is worth paying attention to. You know, I always think about the story of the rich young ruler, which is usually what people like this person who came and talked to you is referencing in those ideas. You know, you have a guy who comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus first asks him a very important question. He says, well, why do you call me good? And when he asks him that question, he's basically saying, are you saying whatever I tell you is validated by you as the proper and total response on behalf of God as my rabbinical position in leadership for you in this moment? He's basically going, you're saying I'm a good teacher. So whatever I tell you, you're going to roll with that, right? And he says, okay, why do you call me good? And then he says, all right, well, I want you to keep all of the commandments. Now, what's interesting is his response to Jesus is, well, I already do that. I already keep all the commandments. Now, in his belief, he believes that he keeps the commandments perfectly. Because in that day, if you were a religious person, and outwardly with your actions, you did everything that the law said, you believed that you were living per perfectly. That's why Jesus later on goes on and references about how uh, you've heard it said that you should keep the law with your outside. But what I'm telling you is you can't even sin in your brain. You can't even sin on your inside. So this guy, when he says, I've already kept all the Ten Commandments, he's not saying this in a way that he's being aloof. He just genuinely believes, man, in my outward actions, I'm doing everything I need to do. Don't worry about what's going on in the inside. This is, you know, whatever. So Jesus says, oh, okay, well, you've already done that. Well, why don't you go sell all your stuff, give it all away, then come follow me and you will have this thing you're asking for, eternal life. And it says in the text that the dude goes away sorrowful because he had great wealth. Now that by itself can be talked about for a long time because in Middle Eastern culture, the rabbi had the power to do something that they call binding and loosing. And you would bind uh, what could be bound in heaven and loose what could be loosed in heaven here on earth. So when somebody would go to a rabbi and say, hey, what do you think I should do? They went to them not just for like advice, but they would say, whatever you tell me to do, I think you have the authority from God to tell me and I'll do it. And so when Jesus says to him, oh, remember, you're calling me good teacher, right? You're saying I'm a rabbi, right? You're saying I have the answer, right? I want you to go sell all your stuff, give it all the way, all the proceeds, then come and follow me and you'll have eternal, eternal life. And it says that the dude goes away sorrowful. 
Now, the reason he goes away sorrowful is not because he can't do it. He goes away sorrowful because he has to do it. <laughs> because remember, this rabbi has the power to bind and loose in heaven and on earth. He asks him, am I a good teacher or not? Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. So he's walking away considering the implications of now being a wealthy man, divesting himself of everything that he had in order to gain this new following that he had asked for. And he goes away sorrowful because he's come to appreciate what he's gained. He's come to appreciate the hard work and whatever has given him this money, right? And so he's now considering the implications of this giving away this stuff. Then Jesus turns to his followers and he says the thing that probably brought concern to your, your listener. They said, uh, man, you know, it's hard. It's hard to do this stuff. It's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel with its humps to get into a little eye of a needle. So he says this to accentuate why a rich man has a hard time to get into heaven. Now, again, why I think it's so important to ask the why question is we, if we're not careful, can see that simply as a prescriptive element and immediately we go, yeah, I don't want to be rich. I don't want anything to do with money because that dude right there, Jesus, just said, when you're rich, it's hard to get into heaven. But we say that without asking the question, well, why? What is he talking about? Well, when you look at the story that we just told, you look at the statement that he just makes to his followers. The shared why is this. It is hard to give yourself over to God when you have everything you need to sustain yourself. When you can take care of all your own needs, take care of all your own problems, take care of all your own financial situations, you don't need any help with provision, you don't need any help with work, you don't need any help with life and direction. When you are wealthy, especially in that culture, you had power. So what is going to lead you to naturally, in your own impulses, default your life to a God who is saying, I want all of your affection. I want all of your life. And you need to recede back into the, to the dark and allow me to take the reins and take control. So he's saying when you're rich, it's hard for you to do that. So what he's saying is not, it's bad for you to make money. What he's saying is, I need to make sure that I have all of your heart all of the time. That's why I think when we pay attention to resources and to money, it's not for me to demonize the idea of making any money. It's also not for me to grow and to deify making money. Like one is not more important than the other. I think the important thing is to say, whether I have or I don't have, whether I'm rich or I'm poor, whether I'm high on the ladder or low rung on uh, the ladder, I need to realize that my affections, my heart, my why is connected to God and his purposes beyond mine first. This could potentially be the hardest interview that I've ever had to do because this is like, I, I honestly just want to like soak this in, process it for a while and come back and ask you another question like a day later of, it's just amazing to, to like, I, I remember talking to this person about this exact thing and really trying to answer her question with some of the things that I've had to work through in my life and looking at it from that angle is just, it's, it's, it's so much easier to see what 
what was being told in these stories after talking to you here, because it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's about like basically everything leads to that why in your heart effectively. And like being in the, going to that dark place is having these things and not needing God or needing direction and thinking you have it all under control when we don't. Yeah. That, that's, that's really the, the foundation of this, I think. And it's just, I, I don't know. I, I wish that I had had this conversation slightly differently. She listens to the podcast, so she will hear this. Oh, and okay. it's going to be an interesting conversation with her afterwards, because I think a lot of people that are listening are saying, you know what? I feel like that sometimes too. And when is enough enough? And why are we doing this when I go back to that, that place of saying, you know, more is just not more, but it's about where, where is your heart pointing and where are you going and what's the direction and why are you doing it? And like, we really talk about the why a lot, because yeah. if you have that, then you know, when, when things get hard, you're not going to quit. You're just going to keep going. You're going to find a way. And if you, if you don't have a really strong why in business and life and anything, frankly, it's just, you'll go to plan B or you'll move on to the next thing, or you, you'll just stop or this, Hey, this, I checked out real estate investing. It's not really for me. And the people who I see make it are the people who it's it. They're, they're obsessed with it. They love it. They're driven by it. There's something that's driving them. And it's not necessarily the house or the, the beautiful kitchen that they're creating or the, the things like that. There's something going on in them that's driving them to be successful. And when you find that and you can harness that and then, you know, you get knocked down, you get back up. So this is really interesting to hear because we have, we have people at all stages of success and some people that are have gotten to a point and they're actually like uncomfortable with it from time to time. And if they're on purpose and they're living out that purpose of their life, and it doesn't seem like there's any reason to, it's, it's about now what you, what you're, what are you doing with it? What is your plan with that? Like, why are you doing, and if your why is just because I want to hoard money and collect money so I don't need anyone else and I can take care of myself and I, you know, um, uh, God doesn't need to have a place in my life and I, I got everything under control, then that, then you're going to a bad place. So yeah, and I, I would just to interject for one second, I think there needs to be a level of affirmation for your listener who is saying, yeah, I do struggle with this sometimes, or there are moments where it rises up in me and I don't really know what to do with success. Or um, when I see that we're growing in revenue and, um, it feels like things are flowing. Maybe I start to kind of like feel a little bit uh, cautious connected to that. I just want to affirm that feeling because I think that feeling is exactly what the Bible informs for us in the way of consideration, whether it comes to money or position or even relationship. When we become too comfortable and too self-assured, we're missing the very point of the essence of what the Bible even talks about. The Bible's main message from Genesis all the way to Revelation is God's continual question, am I enough for you? His intention from Genesis when he created humanity to show that he was the one source that he desired for us to be fulfilled by soulishly from the very beginning. And when we, in Genesis chapter 3, choose another pathway to fulfill this longing in our souls, which he only made for himself and any other thing that is trying to fill an eternal longing that can only be fulfilled by eternal things and is not eternal will never be enough. And in Genesis three, when they turn to another means to satisfy their longing, 
we have shown in the representation of our humanity our true intentions. We can say all day with our words, we want God to be everything. But in our life and in our actions, continually we go to the things that satisfy our longings here on earth or things that we can see, things that are temporal and maybe not even necessarily bad things, i.e. growing in revenue when you work hard really on your business. But the problem is if I allow that thing to become my sustenance, to become my satisfaction, to become my identity, to become my value. Now, what Jesus was asking the rich young ruler, which was lay down your identity and your ability to sustain yourself. Come follow me and trust that I can give you what you need and I can be all that your soul satisfies or needs to be satisfied. And then you will have what you're asking for, which is eternal life. And eternal life in this day was not this ethereal, uh, mysterious thing that we would talk about in the way that we do here in America. Like we're kind of like, man, you die, you go to heaven, you live forever. That's what I think about when it comes to uh, eternal life. In Middle Eastern culture, especially in first century uh, culture, they have this expectation that eternal life is not later on after you die but that you will begin to experience communion with God right here on earth into eternity. So that's a huge perspective shift because what this guy was really asking for wasn't really just, hey, if I can do the right thing now, live out the rest of my life, then when I die, have eternal life. Because that's usually how we think about eternal life is like after you die, then eternal life. But in John 17, it says something really interesting. You know, Jesus is uh, in this time where he's praying to his father and he goes on to talk about in this prayer before he goes to the cross about his desire for humanity and what he wants them to see and how he wants them to be together in unity. And he wants them to be a people who are connected together. But one of the things he says in this prayer, in John 17, 3, he says in this prayer, this is eternal life that they know you, God, the father and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then he says in verse four, for I glorified you here on earth. And the reason that's significant, we can just blaze through that if we're reading through it quickly. But the reason that statement is so significant is he's talking about eternal life. Then he talks about knowing him is eternal life. Then he talks about his presence here on earth. So what he's saying is to know him is to know eternal life. And you can know him here on earth. So this guy who was asking for eternal life was saying, I want to know what it means to live forever and to fully flourish connected to the way that God intended right now, not later on after I die, but while I'm here on earth. That's why all of this, all that I just said matters so much for us who are uh, not us, but you who are growing in business and you who are advancing in your bottom line and your profit margin, because what this guy was asking for is really the thing that we're looking for. How do I experience the fullness of flourishing while I'm here? And not just flourishing in my bank account, flourishing in the way that I know the fullness of being connected to God, living out holistically in my life in every area, whether it's in finances, in family, in relationship, in giving, all those things, they all are connected to my connectedness to God himself. I think so. I think we can keep going down this path, which I absolutely love, but there's probably about 
I don't know, 90% of the people who are going, this is an awesome interview, but I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah. So uh, I realized we just jumped into it and we just dived headfirst into the deep end. Right. And I want to take, I just want to rewind it real quick because they're probably like, there's a lot of people here who are saying who, who's CZ, where does he, where is he? I want to find more about this church, about these people. Um, and really kind of enjoying what they're hearing. So maybe we can go back and just share a little bit about your story and kind of, cause interesting. I, I jumped into this a little bit fast because I know you so well and we just started talking and it was almost like we're just kind of sitting at the table having a conversation and I'm, I'm just furiously writing down notes and getting an awesome lesson here that I need to hear because this is exactly what I need right now. As we become more successful and we go down this path, it's, I ask myself a lot of these questions and I get a lot of people that ask me these same questions is, you know, why am I doing this? I feel like I've got everything that I need, but I keep kind of wanting more. We want to keep growing or my team wants to keep growing. So now I, I want to help them. So t- tell us a little bit about you and your background and then we, maybe we can talk a little bit about Church of the City. Yeah. So um, uh, it's always a sweeping kind of question to talk about a background. I think just to capsulize the general sense of where I came from and kind of getting to this place. I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, both my parents uh, had dealt with different representations of what it means to be connected to substances in their life. And that affected part of my childhood. I went back and forth between my mom and my dad, uh, my parents, were never married and um, God moved in powerful ways in my mom's life and really helped to bring her to a place of clarity and deliverance from some of the things that she had wrestled with. And uh, she did an incredible job of helping to raise me in New Jersey growing up as a kid. Uh, She began to attend church uh, in her newfound freedom and I began to kind of loosely be connected through proximity uh, to the ideas that were being taught in church. I thought they were really interesting and uh, I thought the people in the church environment were very gracious and kind. I just would say that I didn't have a heart affection for any of those ideas. They weren't something that were deeply moving or impactful to me beyond just, I think it's important to know these things. And I would also probably even have articulated, yeah, I'm a Christian person and I I ascribe to uh, the way of Jesus as probably the right way to live. But um, that was all loosely held in my life because it wasn't that I was seeking to live in a way contrary to that. I just didn't have a deep compulsion connected to what it meant. Uh, I played football as uh, a teen and then into high school. That began to really shape and form my identity around my value and what I had to offer the world. And I kind of had the classic TV story of I tore my ACL my senior year, or had a knee injury, uh, took away all of my scholarship opportunities, which helped to uh, temper this idea of my advancement in life connected to my identity in sports, but really helped to redirect my focus to say, is there more to life than the things that I feel like I can find value in and the things that I do? And uh, that had me starting to ask questions about who God really was and what the real worth of knowing him was. I ended up going to a Christian university and it was there that I began to really asked the harder questions about faith and life because now before me were these people who had made this demonstrative decision to move to this type of school, which is to direct the rest of their lives to 
vocational ministry or like thinking about faith in a very directed way. And I kind of almost stumbled into it because uh, there was no application fee to apply there. And there was a table set up at my church. And I thought, man, if I could get out of New Jersey one day, maybe I can go here. But I always thought I'm going to play football. I'm never going to even see this place. And through the injury, through all that, I ended up at this place. And I'm thankful because when I was there, I saw these people who were representing their faith. And in doing so, uh, we're showing demonstratively their affection for God through raised hands or attendance at church or reading their Bible. But I would see a lot of these same people on the weekends sneaking out. Uh, we had rules and stuff at college, and they would be breaking the rules. And I would kind of be asking myself, like, well, why are you fighting so hard to represent this one idea connected to God? And at the same time, like fighting to preserve your own desires to do what you want to do. And... I wasn't saying that in an assessment way. I was just fascinated by the thought. But then in my investigation realized, well, I'm probably very similar to that inadvertently. <laughs> I wasn't proactively a hypocrite. I just had naturally developed a way of thinking that church is over here and life is over here, like I kind of referenced earlier. And what I began to do was examine what the Bible said about Jesus because I was alarmed about that fact. I just was really concerned because I didn't know what I believed and why I believed it. And I was hearing a lot of teaching in this Christian university, university about God, and it was beautiful, and it was cool to learn all these things. But um, I kept reading the Bible, and I kept seeing that there was this Jesus who wasn't trying to preserve himself from being around people who were broken, but he was running to brokenness, and he was finding ways to engage with people who were hurting. And there was something so compelling about that idea. Knowing where I grew up, knowing, knowing my history, knowing my experience, I was saying, man, if there's a Jesus who's like that, that's the Jesus that I want to know. And so I remember being in my dorm room kind of saying, man, I, I want to follow you. If you're this God, this is the God I want to follow. And I gave my life uh, to him from that moment. And I think that then began to shape and form what my future looked like. I didn't know that I would ever work at a church, honestly, but I did make a commitment to say, Whatever I do, I want to allow my life to be used to invite people into the story of God so that they would feel known and loved. And um, that started out in just kind of sharing about God and, and creative communication, sometimes through music or like through me just standing out in the middle of a crowd and starting to talk and stuff like that. I just would do whatever I could and just one thing after another led me into the pathway of serving in the local church. And then once I got there, I went through the ordination process. Once I did that, that kind of unlocked this affection for being in places where people weren't really excited about the way of Jesus and weren't inherently living in a church culture. So my wife and I moved to the Bay Area in California, and we helped a friend uh, who had planted a church. And uh, we were there for about three years. That led to what I think is the most impactful and formational time of my life, which was uh, kind of experiencing uh, a couple of things that have kind of folded together. One being uh, doing a lot of purposeful work for God. We were working with homeless folks and helping people in recovery ministry. We had uh, folks who had uh, recently come out of the sex trafficking industry. Um, we were doing good, purposeful, meaningful work. The problem was I didn't see a pathway forward that felt sustainable. I was working really hard. We lived right next to the church. It was pretty much 24-7 that we were accessible to people. And I just felt like, man, I can't keep this going. I don't feel burned out now, but I definitely see how burnout is on the horizon. And then the second thing was 
my wife and I experienced loss through miscarriage a couple times. And the second time was uh, further along and more physically taxing for my bride, you know, had to go to the emergency room, all that stuff. And so dealing with the pain of loss and grief in that way accentuated this other first wrestle of, uh, I'm not even sure how I can continue doing this. And now my motivation to do that is really taking a big hit connected to this loss that we've experienced. And then the third piece was we weren't really in a place of deep and rooted community. And I think all three of those things converging led to us saying something needs to change. So from that place, we decided to take a step back and that led to essentially a year long sabbatical, uh, a time away, if you're not familiar with that word, but just a time stepping away from vocational ministry or even heavily volunteering connected to church and just assessing my heart's motivation and and trying to reignite what it meant to know and love God. And one of the questions that I felt like God had asked me in that time was, uh, if I take away all of the things that you get to do for me, and that's not necessarily pronounced things in front of a lot of people. You know, I wasn't really around people who knew who I was at all. It was just getting to do purposeful, meaningful work. And my identity was so wrapped up in that. And I felt like he was saying, if I take those things away that you get to do for me, will you still love and worship me with the same passion? And my answer was no. And so uh, that was depressing and terrifying. And I just set out on a journey to figure out for the next year. It ended up being a year. I didn't know how long it was going to be, but it ended up being a year and just remembering what it meant to just be in love with God. And so that year reshaped both my wife and I's life and led to the next steps being, I want to give my life to that work. How do I invite people into that story? So a fuller story, a more representative idea that God not only wants us to find rescue from him through his work on the cross, but also he wants us to live and to flourish on earth, connected to him sustainably. So uh, I had met the guy who is the pastor of Church of the City. His name is Darren. Right before that season of time, we became friends. And then that led to an ongoing conversation that when I finally began to pray directionally after that year of what was next, he said, hey, man, I would love to invite you to come to be a part of what we're doing here back in Tennessee. And so my wife and I decided that was the right move and we moved back and that was about four and a half years ago. So now that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. And well, I appreciate you sharing all that stuff with us. And I think, sure. uh, you know, a lot of us go through some very similar journeys and everything that we do, whether it's the kind of hitting a wall or getting to a point where the, we're at this crossroad and in business and life and anything that happens. Um, I, I feel like I'm at one right now where I have multiple uh, companies that I'm running. I also still fly for the Navy. I have this volunteer uh, position that I do for OUR and it's all becoming like it's, it's all kind of converging on me becoming, it can get really stressful. And I shared last week on some of the stress that I've had lately with everything going on. And I'm having to make some very difficult decisions, obviously a very different circumstance than, than following in just following God and giving your life to him, which I mean, a lot of us have done, you know, uh, I, I love the fact that Lucy came here from England and came into this church and all the things that went through with James and talking to you and going to, to church and just saying, you know what, I'm, uh, I want to be a part of this. I want to get baptized in this church and seeing her go through that was incredible experience for me to watch. And usually like when I was baptized, I was, you know, three months old. 
in one mm. month old. So yeah. it's a totally different experience than what we do at Church of the City. So uh, maybe talk a little bit about Church of the City. So I, recently, it's funny because I shared, um, you guys do a live stream on yeah. YouTube and I shared it on Facebook because I was watching it. I, I happened to be in California for uh, this, this company, Seven Figure Flipping, our EOS planning session for three days. And I was there on Sunday morning waiting to go to the airport. And I, anytime I'm not in town, I love the fact that I can still watch my service. Uh, and it was at 7 a.m. there, and I just happened to share it on Facebook. I saw that you could share it. And there's probably five or six of our, the people from our community that I saw on there watching it. So I could see them kind of pop on as I was watching it. It was really cool to see. And a lot of people reached out to me and said, man, this is, you guys have some incredible music. You guys have some incredible worship. This is the message is, is fantastic. So um, I, I would love to just share it and let them know that they can watch it on YouTube if they ever want to check it out. Obviously, um, not driving all the listeners to go watch sure. our church, but there's a lot of right. people that said, man, this is really, uh, really amazing. And it really is. I, when I went there, it's just totally different experience from what I'm used to growing up. And I love the fact now that I found a place that it's actually hard for us to even think about moving away from here. Like and we're not even necessarily deeply rooted in the community here. We have a few friends and families and things, but um, it's a big part of of me and my life now. Of of everything that that I have come to find in that place, and it's almost hard to explain. But it's it's like um, it's the one thing that I love the beach. I miss I miss so much from being around the ocean and everything. And it's like the thing that kind of keeps me here, which is really amazing. So uh, maybe a little bit about that, that, and um, if they want to find out some more information, how they could do that. Yeah. I think one of the biggest uh, values of our church is that we understand and hope to operate in a way that we know that we're not the only church. And I think uh, it's important even as you're talking about the church and I'm so thankful that you found uh, all of that richness and depth connective to the church. I think it's just important for, for me to note that we don't have any thoughts or allusions to the idea that our church should be elevated or uh, find any better place in people's minds or thoughts than any other. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I say often about myself, I feel like is representative, hopefully about our church is that uh, I'm just a beggar trying to show other beggars where the bread is. I, I feel like that's ultimately our desire is to simply say, hey, we're one of the churches in a, a city filled with great churches, in a nation filled with great churches. And so, um, you know, that's. I just wanted to say that just simply because uh, we understand and I've experienced so much richness, even in our partnerships and collaborations with churches here locally. So, um I'm so thankful that that's true. And I, and I hope that anyone who's listening, who's either considering the possibility of going to a church, maybe some of your listeners don't attend church at all. And I, I respect uh, different positions connected to all that, but just understanding, you know, there are great churches everywhere. And, um, and we hold to a place where even if we're not your church, we'd love to do everything we can to help you find a church. Because I do think what you found in the way of community and connectedness that do keep you anchored is what we hope for people to find in life, whether it's at our church or another church. So uh, that's one thing I'd say. I'd say the second thing is, yeah, I think the greatest uh, gift that the church has been to me personally, now obviously I work at the church, but no matter what, if you work at a church, you're still a member of a church. And so 
I have a pastor at my church that I listen to and I follow as he teaches and leads. And um, one of the things that I love about being a part of our church, whether it's as an employee or uh, a coworker or uh, a member of the church is that there's a simplicity to the approach of what we hope to accomplish, especially on a Sunday morning. I think uh, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of, uh, you know, value in giving yourself to attention to uh, the aesthetics and all those things. And, and there's a team that puts a lot of effort into all that. But when I say simplicity, it's really just we sing together. Uh, we open the word together. Uh, we pray together and we leave. And I think that's really where for us, uh, we find so much richness and value. It's not to accentuate or elevate people in their position or their abilities, though there are some very talented people who are singing and leading, and there are some gifted people who share and all those things. But the hope is to say, this is for Jesus, and inviting people into a story that is really written all about him. And our job on a Sunday morning is to simply steward that story. And I hope that that's really what's happening when people, whether they tune in from afar on YouTube or they're a part of our community, hopefully they feel uh, the sense that this isn't about anything other than who he is. So churchofthecity.com is uh, where you can find the, the live stream if you want to jump in, like was suggested. Also, you can always get past messages that are there, all of our series. There may be things that you're dealing with that you can see a keyword that's kind of there on the logo and maybe you want to jump in and see what we were talking about you know we have a series a few years ago we talked uh, it's called freedom we talked about generosity and giving it's a whole series there um there's just a lot of different things that we talk about i think the other thing that i would say about our church is our hopefulness is to adhere to the word of god as our governor you know that's what we're following we're not just trying to come up with clever ideas we want to follow the teachings of jesus through the scriptures and see what that looks like in our lives played out and allow that to inform what we talk about, while at the same time recognizing that what we talk about does have a direct relevancy to what we're dealing with in our lives. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really been a cool journey. I've been there for about four and a half years now. And uh, yeah, I think it's just ultimately a bunch of people coming together going, how can we glorify God in what we're doing? Yeah, the, the Advent series that we just went through with the different um, vantage points was probably one of the mm. most educational four weeks that I've ever gone through and, and attending those and, and hearing from different, uh, I, it's, it's just incredible to see where instead of just talking about what the Bible says, we get background in the, like you, you just took us back to the time where they were having this conversation about eternal life. And that's what we did during that series yeah. is really go back to who this person was and what do these things mean during that time? Because we look at things so differently now through the lens that we have in 2020 right now, where we need to go back thousands of years to say, well, what does this really mean? Because we look at things very differently now than they did then. So yeah. if we take these words and put them in today's life and, and what we think it means, it takes it completely out of context. So it's really, really incredible to go through that. So if anybody's interested in that, I would highly encourage to check that out because it was that, I mean, I've been going for, we're going on three years now. So we found the church three years ago. I remember about a little over three years because my cousin took me here before we moved here. Mm. And, um, it was just, uh, it's amazing. So, um, so, but I know we only have a few more minutes, but I really sure. want to just like, what, 
you, 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 did, you guys did a series on giving, which I'm going to go back and, and watch myself yeah, yeah. because I didn't, uh, I don't remember it. I didn't go through it and maybe before my time. So we, we talk about this, this tithing and giving it and things like that. And I, it's interesting to even ask a question like this now after what we've already talked about, because the answer is pretty much there, right? It's like, why, why do we do it? it? What does it do for us? What's the purpose of it all? It, I, I realize we, we kind of got to the punchline before asking the questions up front. We almost like covered the, the end of the story before starting at the beginning, it feels like on this podcast, because the answer is, is kind of in, in the why, in the heart, like, what are you doing it for? But like, what, what does it do? What are, I don't even really know how to ask this question. Like, what are some of the ways that the reasons that people do this or the things that you see or the results that happen, like, what is the, what is it that, you see in some people that, that give and, and like, you know, I feel like the more I give, the more I receive in anything in life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just curious about like why, why that is like, what is, what happens? Because we've had a couple, we've had a speaker come for a couple of years and he says money is a currency that's meant to flow. You gotta, mm -hmm. you get, you get, you cannot hold on to it. You gotta let it go. And you let it go and things change, things happen for you. Like what's going on in the, what is your take on that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I know that there's even a variant, uh, variance of listeners and people who maybe even have a practicing faith. Others may say, you know, this is new kind of conversation or ideas for me. Maybe some even possibly put off by the ideas. And, and I respect all of those uh, opinions. I think one of the things that's interesting about generosity that kind of brings us all back together which is really fascinating to me is that generosity in and of itself, I believe is uh, something gifted by God built into the fabric of his creation that God indeed blesses and has allowed to become a blessing to the humanity that he created. The reason I say that is there are many people who don't practice any way of faith or have any connectivity to God but live generous lives and find fulfillment from their generosity. Now the question would then say, well, if it's only in your generosity, in your connection to God, that you would find fulfillment in your generosity, why is it that people who have maybe even a profession of atheism, no belief in God at all, live generous lives and would get on interviews or podcasts and say one of the most meaningful things about our lives as a family is when we give away things to other people. So there has to be something built into the fabric of humanity that finds fulfillment connective to generosity. I truly do believe that generosity is something that God has granted and gifted to humanity to experience in the fabric of humanity the benefit and the blessing of it inherently. Now, the thing that's really cool is when we can understand in rhythm and in response to who God is, how to channel that generosity for his kingdom. That's when we begin to see true and real flourishing, not only in the response to generosity and how it makes us feel good, but ultimately for the advancement of the kingdom of God and for the development of my own life spiritually. Now that goes into a thought where you said, you know, we kind of touched on the answer to the question. I would carry the thing a little bit further, not just connected to generosity or giving, but I believe when it comes to any spiritual practice, and I believe that giving and generosity is a spiritual practice, we need to understand 
not just the why for that one individual one, but the why in general for all of them. So we could take the same exact question, apply it to, well, why would you read the Bible? Why would you pray? Why would you meditate? Why would you, any of the things that you would say are a spiritual practice that we would articulate as something that we're supposed to do for God. Well, that to me goes back to another fundamental why. So back at the beginning of all things, I believe that God created humanity for one purpose first. And that purpose was to be with the humanity that he created. We see that God created humanity. He showed a level of intention, intentionality beyond the other creation. So if you read the creation account in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, it says that God spoke, things came into existence. But then it says he comes to the human being, and he doesn't speak, and then it comes into existence. It says that he formed the human being, and that he breathed life into their nostrils. So regardless of how you believe about that book of the Bible, the thing that is on display is that God show a higher level of intentionality in the creation of humanity. The reason is quickly shown to us because God desires to be with this humanity that he created. He created this humanity to be soulishly satisfied by him alone. And so now, even when he goes on later and gives this dude Adam a job, he doesn't create Adam to do the job. He created Adam to be with him. And from that connection, the job flows, right? He gives him something to do because he knows that there's purpose, fulfillment, and meaningfulness in his work. He knows that work will be a blessing to him because he is connected to him. So the reason going all the way back there matters is when I fast forward all the way back to answering the question, well, why do we give? Well, giving is not just something I do for God so he will be pleased with me. Giving is actually a way that I can connect to God because that's what he's always wanted from me. So when I practice a spiritual practice, I do so not with the intention to try to please God with my actions, not to show him how much I love him, not to just prove how obedient I am to him. I'm actually practicing a spiritual practice because I believe I will meet with God in that practice. So going back to reading the Bible, it's another one that is kind of like giving. Well, of course you're supposed to tithe. Give 10%, people talk about. All right, cool. Well, why do I do that? Well, God tells me to do that. Well, why does God tell you to do that? Is it just to see if you're going to be obedient? No, he's saying you're going to find me in that spiritual practice. If you give generously, open your hands, don't have affection for things beyond me, I'm going to show you that I will fulfill you in your life in ways that you can't imagine. Reading the Bible. Do I read the Bible because God told me to? Is it just the right thing to do? No, I read the Bible because I believe when I go there, I'm going to find God there. <laughs> and when I commune with God there, now the fulfillment of my reading the Bible is less about me doing a checklist and the obligation of doing this right thing. But I'm doing this thing in order to commune with the God who always from the very beginning wanted to be with me. So I know it's kind of a sweeping kind of answer to come back into narrow, but I think it really does matter because when we think about generosity, there is an inherent blessing connected to generosity, I think, in humanity. People experience that all the time. I, I remember when I was at the um, uh, church in the Bay Area, we had a guy who was uh, a, a neighbor. He lived right across the street. He was one of the biggest drug dealers in the whole area. And it was funny because he would come and he'd talk to us, and he would always be looking for ways that he could be generous. And now, of course, inherently you're going, 
a guy who's selling drugs, he's probably so selfish. Like, what is he even thinking about generosity? This dude was the biggest evangelist for the benefits of generosity, man. He would talk about how when he gave away stuff, like how fulfilled he would be and like how much it helps. And this dude would even say language like what we hear in the church. He would say, man, when I make a big sale and I give away stuff, I feel like, man, the universe brings it back to me, man. And I just make more like, cause I just know that I'm going to get, and he wouldn't attribute it to God. He had nothing, you know, connect. And so I just always thought that was fascinating. Like, what is that? Why would this guy who's set his whole life to a selfish pursuit, which is selling substances that it's hurting other people. How can he find fulfillment connected to generosity? But it shows you that this is something that's built in innately to our fabric as human beings. And how beautiful is it when we find that in rhythm with God? Well, I think I needed to hear all of this stuff that we talked about today. Like I'm at a place where we hit on a lot and I don't, I don't know if it was me driving the conversation, but a lot of this is really exactly what I needed to hear, which it seems every time we talk, this is what happens. Mm. And I'm hoping that the listeners feel the same way. Like there's, um, it's, it's just amazing to me that when I put myself in, and it's probably, you know, it, there's a reason for this, right? Like everything that the, from the generosity to the wise, to the, um, to the not wanting to grow, just to grow to the, the four or five things that are closing in on me and really feeling like, you know, I needed to hear this today in the place that I am. And it's just amazing to see that because I, I feel like sometimes, sometimes I feel like that you really give because it feel, makes you feel good, you know? And it sounds like that's okay because it's part of the equation. Sure. You know, and, um, you know, fortunately I'm not dealing drugs and I'm not doing those things. (laughs) And what we're doing is, is ultimately we're trying to make impact and help people and in our business and our life and everything that we do and, you know, making sure that integrity and and all of those things are underwriting what we do in our life, but all to glorify God. Right. And I say, you know, as you said, you know, it's great that it makes us feel okay. I think that the clarification comes, whether it's for the drug dealer dude or for somebody who's been attending church faithfully for 50 years um, and would never dream of dealing drugs. I think that the calibration comes when I go, yeah, generosity makes me feel good. But just like all the other things that we've talked about, what allows for this thing, which makes me feel good, to remain in my life in a sustainable way for an ongoing time, regardless of whether I'm experiencing current prosperity or I'm currently experiencing a low dry period in my finances. What I would say is it's only when we find a connectivity to God and the meaningfulness of giving to God because of who he is, that we'll find that sustainability. It will always be fulfilling for humans to give away. It'll make us feel good to help other people. It's always going to happen. But the sustainability connected to what that really means, not only for now, but with eternal implications, is only going to come when we align ourselves with who God is and give from that place. Um, I love it. And I'm really thankful that I get to spend uh, every week with you. And, um, and hopefully the, the listeners have enjoyed this and got something out of it. And like you said, you, you mentioned, touched on it a couple times here, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether you go to church or you don't go to church or you read the Bible, you don't read the Bible, you're not sure what you believe, all of those things. Like, look, I, three and a half years ago, I was in a very different place than I am right now. I feel like there's, there's a time in each of our lives where something hits us or something happens or we hear something and we want to just find out a little bit more information or we want to go check this out or maybe we go online and do some research or uh, that's, you know, more, 
we get this diagnosis or something happens. And I, I truly believe that James was put in my, my life for a reason, got me to slow down, got me to really focus on what's, what, what, where I'm going, what I need, brought me to this place, brought me to that church. All of these things happened and it wasn't, it's, it's all by design. I had no control of any of this and it's all unfolding in front of us. And I love the fact that yeah, I can look back and I can see all the things that he's doing in my life. And even in the, even in the transition of this company of Justin and me, there was, there's a story here that goes way past the two of us. Mm. And it's really cool when you look back and see that and sit down and you just can't deny what's going on out there. At least I can't. And I know that you can't and a lot of our listeners can't. So wherever you are, I hopefully you enjoyed this. And if not, you know, uh, Look, it, this is different ideas and angles around what's going on in our world. And uh, there's, like CZ said, there's so many churches out there. There's so many pastors out there. There's so many different beliefs and ideas and things like that. And I love the fact that uh, we were able to share some of those with you guys today from the generosity to the wise to just CZ's message and who he is in the church. And by no means was I looking to drive more people to our church, or just to share God's message with you guys about tithing and giving and generosity. And it turned into even more than that. So uh, I had no idea where this was going to go. I didn't really have a plan, but I really love kind of the message and, and what I got, what I got out of it personally. So um, I'm thankful that you, you know, moved around some of your schedule to share some time with us. And I, I, I do want to share your book, whether you like it or not. So, um, so I'm going to kind of hold it up, but we, we got this, uh, CZ wrote this book called soul rest and my wife and I have been uh, kind of going through it and, and, and reading it. And I think it's a really great book for an entrepreneur to pick up. Mm. And because yeah. like this, we did a series on kind of the soul, uh, at, at the church and it was really powerful for me because I'm kind of like, I'm, everything's on all the time for me and unplugging and, and taking time out and, and really taking some deep rest just doesn't exist in my world ever, it seems. So uh, I'm, this, this year, the word for me for this year is clarity. And I really need to get clear on everything that I'm doing, what my why, what I'm doing things for, start saying no to a lot of things that I'm just tr- prone to say yes to everything and really trying to take some time for my family and me and make sure that I'm clear on my future and my vision going forward and where we're going to be and what we're going to do. And, uh, this, this book is really powerful for anybody to pick it. I, can they find it somewhere? Like, yeah. They- so, uh, soulrestbook.com or, uh, Amazon is obviously always the, the quick hit. And, um, yeah, it's been cool. We've uh, also been starting a ministry that will help to serve people like your listeners who are, uh, in business who are trying to figure out how to develop sustainable health and rhythms. And it's uh, called find rest. And the website for that is findrest.org. And that's kind of a new thing for me. It's like really over the last couple of weeks, honestly. And um, it's a step of faith for us, but I feel like uh, the very thing that you're hoping to address and dialogue about on your podcast is really what I hope to be able to serve in a representation uh, that is different than the business sensibilities and the advancement of the ideas, but ultimately, how do you work from a place of rest to be able to create sustainability, health, and wholeness in what you're doing? So that will be findrest.org, and and, uh, hopefully it'll be an encouragement to people. 
That's awesome. I'm looking forward. I'm going to go check that out right after this. So we'll put those links in the show notes so you guys can see them there. If you're driving or whatever, you can go to the show notes or go to the website and see it. Um, and CZ, as always, man, it's, it's a pleasure. Uh, um, it's an honor to spend time with you and speak with you and listen to you. It's, I, I love it. I could, uh, I, I can't wait to listen to this again after we uh, send it live and I go back to it anytime I need it. So it's like my own little That's personal cool. sermon. It's awesome. Cool, man. I'm glad. Thank you. All right. I'll see you soon at, at church and uh, everybody else who's, uh, who's listening. Um, I got a really great show coming up uh, on the next episode and I can't wait to see you guys there on the seven figure flipping podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. I know you guys, you're busy. You got a lot going on. So, you know, spending time with us on the podcast really, uh, I really appreciate it. I really, really do. So the gratitude is all there. I love it. So thanks CZ. I'll see you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the seven figure flipping podcast with Bill Allen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at sevenfigureflipping.com.